So I'm going to talk today a little bit about my work and um, why I do it. And like all the best talks, this one stems from a conversation that I overheard in a pub. Um, and the conversation I heard, overheard in a pub was I was coming back um, from the bar with some drinks and I heard a mutual friend talking to my now husband, then boyfriend, um, and saying, what is it that Charlie does? And he said, oh, she puts electric currents to people's brains. And the friend said, why? And he said, I don't know, I, I think it's just for fun. <laughs> and I thought, okay. So my mission for today is to try and explain why I'm not Frankenstein um, and what we actually do and why it is obviously fun, but it's also um, got some serious purpose behind it. Um, and we hope that it might start to um, actually make a difference to people's lives. Um, and he denies that story if anybody ever meets him. Um, <laughs> So why do I, I do put electric currents in people's brains? Why do we do that? Why does the field exist? Why do we care about it? Um, why are we interested in it? Well, to take a step back, what we're, we're not particularly interested in what happens when you put currents through people's brains. What we're particularly interested about is how people learn and how people are able to acquire new skills, um, new knowledge, and that we can put those into practice. This is something we do all the time, right? So this is the kind of things we do in the lab are more dull than this, but... You know, we learn new skills, we learn to juggle, we learn to play a piano piece. Very similar mechanisms happen when we uh, recover function after a stroke. Um, if you have a stroke, you remember met anyone with a stroke, often they will recover function over days to weeks to months to years after that event. And what's happening in the brain um, is very similar actually to what's happening in anyone's brain when they learn to do something new. They're relearning a task. This is known as brain plasticity because we're able to change the activity in our brain, change the structure of our brain by doing these things and if we stop doing them it reverts back. Okay. So why brain stimulation then if this is happening naturally all the time? Well the idea hopefully is that it might be able to help with these processes, speed them up, allow us to get better at them. So it does sound a bit Frankensteinian, it's not a new idea. Okay. So brain stimulation, the idea of using electrical currents, galvanism, um, has been around for centuries, if not thousands of years. The first recorded um, use of electrical currents, not that they knew that's what they were at the time, um, was in ancient Greece and ancient Egypt, where they used electric fish, electric rays, um, to try and treat headaches. And actually, electrical stimulation is still quite a good treatment for migraine, even now. In those days, they put people in the river with these fish and hoped they got enough stimulation um, to cure their headaches, and certainly many of them never came back. The field took a bit of a leap forward uh, with Galvani and galvanism um, at the end of the 18th century, where they started using very small electric shocks um, to treat um, a range of neurological and psychiatric conditions, particularly depression. This is a famous um, picture of one of the first people to have this kind of stimulation. Um, he was a, a peasant farm worker in northern Italy, and this is a big battery and delivered an electric current to his head, um, gave him a bit of a shock. Again, he reported, as you might, feeling quite a lot better, went home, never came back. <laughs> this, is the, um, this was the next advance, which is um, the first transcranial magnetic stimulation. Now, those of you who've been uh, up to the lab today will have seen our new, slightly newer version of this. We still do TMS. Um, but this was an original um, Victorian-era stimulator where you put this coil down over the head and it delivers, it induces a big magnetic field and induces an electric current in the brain. Um, it was used to treat women with hysteria in particular and, again, gave you a massive shock. People got 
better. Certainly never came back. <laughs> so phase stimulation is an old idea with a long history of needing a placebo control. Okay. <laughs> but although we can wonder at how much this was placebo and how much it was true, um, it certainly made a difference. And certainly there was an idea that continued for thousands of years that this might be something that might be useful, might be something that worked. And that idea in the 20th century became ECT, useful treatment for um, depression, which is still used. Um, towards the turn of the last millennium, we became interested in using much lower level currents to um, try and modulate brain activity in a much less dramatic way. And this is the technique we use a lot of, which is transcranial direct current stimulation. Um, and this involves putting two electrodes on the skull, one over whichever bit of the brain we want, to more we want to modulate. So we tend to put it over the bit of the brain that controls the hand, primary motor cortex, and the other electrode somewhere else, somewhere we don't think is desperately important. Okay, so usually there. And we run a current between them for about 10 or 20 minutes. Um, it's a milliamp current, so it's about 10 thousandths of that used to power a light bulb. It's tiny. Um, and it feels a little bit tingly, it feels a little bit itchy, it feels a little bit like yesterday's sunburn. It's a bit annoying when it starts. And then actually most people don't feel it at all. Um, and we'll sit there saying, when are you going to start it? We are. So it's a much less um, invasive technique than ECT. I mean, it's, a very, it's a completely different order of magnitude. Um, we use it a lot um, in a variety of circumstances. Um, we're interested because we think it can boost learning, we think it can boost plasticity. So why is it kind of cool? Well, it's kind of cool because the brain is an electric organ and therefore whether or not you can increase activity within a region or decrease activity within a region, and therefore whether or not you can increase plasticity and learning or decrease it, depends on which way you run the current. So if you run the current from the motor cortex to this electrode, anodal stimulation, and this is just a measure here of the amount of activity in that bit of the cortex, so the likelihood of inducing some kind of learning. You get an increase from baseline um, if you run the current from here to here, and a decrease if you run it the other way. And that's a brilliant tool for neuroscience, right? Because very easily we can start manipulating these things. The effects um, from a single session of about 10 to 20 minutes last for a couple of hours. Okay. So it's something we can do in a single session and look at the effects and begin to understand what's going on in the brain. But more excitingly, we think, if we can do it not just in a single session, let people go away, but if we do it every day for a number of days, we think we can induce really long-term changes. So this was the first experiment to show that, and it was done uh, by Leo Cohen and his colleagues um, in NIH. And what they did was a very simple... We talk about motor skills, and we put up beautiful pictures of piano learning and various other things, and then we talk about people doing that. But we hope it would translate. So what you had to do is you had a cursor on a screen that was controlled by a pinch grip. And the harder you pinch, the further along that cursor goes. And they called this a computer game. I think any of you are gamers, but probably not agree. What you had to do is move the cursor to the first gate back. Two, three, four, five. And you did that for about 40 minutes a day for five days. And unsurprisingly, people got better at it. People, it's a skill that you can learn. It may not be a very useful skill to learn, but you can learn it. And people got very much better at it. So these are the five days. And here, this is a slightly weird measure. 
but it's a measure of how good they were at the task. Higher numbers are better. And what you can see is that people broadly got better over those days. They got better within the training on the first day and then better over the five days, as you might imagine. The exciting thing for us was that half of these people did it when they had a placebo stimulation, sham control, which feels almost exactly the same, but doesn't do anything to the brain. And half of them did it when they were having a very low level, one milliamp current for the first 20 minutes. Okay? And you can see that on day five, people who did it whilst having the current applied during stimulation were considerably and statistically significantly better than the people who just had a, the placebo. And the really exciting thing was that it's fine at the end of the training session. They then got these people back a month and it, up to three months later and got them to do the task. And the people who'd learnt it when they were having the brain stimulation were still significantly better at this um, three months later than those who'd had the placebo stimulation. And actually talking to the authors, that's true of um, at least two years afterwards, anecdotally. So this stimulation does something to allow this learning to be more efficient. And what that does, whatever that's doing to the brain, it stabilises that learning and it has long-term effects. Now, we could certainly spend quite a long time questioning whether that's a great thing to be doing to healthy people. I'm not going to go there. But it does suggest that it might be a really useful tool for um, patients who are recovering after a stroke. Um, and what the real potential might be that for a really short course of using the stimulation with some physiotherapy, we might be able to improve the response to that physiotherapy and that they keep that improvement for a long time after the stimulation. So we did a um, very small but a randomised control trial. It is really important to have sham control for this, where we saw them every day, a group of patients who at least six months after their strokes, they'd recovered some function but not complete function. And we saw them every day, from Monday to Friday of week one, Monday to Thursday of week two. Um, and then followed them up at, uh, immediately after a day, a week, and a month afterwards. This is the kind of thing they were doing. This is one of our brave volunteers. You can see the stimulation in action. Um, and he's doing a series of um, tasks involving some fine motor control, which he particularly found difficult, and some weight, tra weight training, and some strength training, um, which was designed for him. Here we've got the behavioural results. Um, the score on this axis is, um, an, is a clinical score. Higher numbers are better. And if you're completely fine, you've got a score of 62. Okay. Um, blue, blue is the placebo group and green is the anodal group. They were randomised. They matched nicely at baseline. They then had their ten day, nine days of training. You can see that actually both groups got a bit better, which was nice. So just having physiotherapy makes you better. Not revolutionary, but um, quite encouraging. But if you combine that physio with brain stimulation, you get significantly better over the, that immediate time period. And you stay significantly better for at least three months afterwards. Okay. And actually, again, anecdotally chatting to our subjects, this is lasting for, what is it now, a couple of years. Um, what does this mean? Well, it's a nice, you know, we can put a little star over and say it's statistically significant, and that's lovely from our purposes. This means they can peel a banana when they couldn't. This means they can cut up a steak when they couldn't. So it's not major life events, but significant and important and seems to be making a difference. Because we do a lot of brain imaging, and I feel obliged, morally obligated, to put a brain imaging picture in, um, we can ask the question, what is underlying this? I'm talking about, I talked at the beginning about plasticity and this idea that you can induce structural and functional changes in the brain 
Is there any evidence that we're doing anything to the brain that might explain this behavioural improvement? And what I'm going to show you is a functional MRI map from our patients of areas of the brain that are um, controlling hand movement and areas of the brain that are controlling hand movement more active after this training period compared with before. And what you can see is a very localised um, region of increased activity right in the middle of the bit of the brain we think controls the hand. So we're doing something very focal um, and very important. And that's it. I'm all done. Thank you very much.